Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other bitter residents of dystopian futures as masterpieces. I am Nick, um, a cynical, downtrodden man bereft of hope. Um, but enough about oh, me, let's too. get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with the podcast. Um, this is um, 2006, and we are discussing Alfonso Cuarón's. I hope I didn't murder that too much. Um, dystopian science fiction uh, thriller slash action film, Children of Men. Mm. Now, this dystopia um, is set in Britain, which is always, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's a bit like 50s um, Britain. Um, there is a distinctive dystopian Britain vibe, um, which, you know, I had to watch Threads when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and that is possibly the most depressing film I've watched, which uh, to the uninitiated, I wouldn't recommend you watch it unless you are <laughs> in a really good place, because you won't be afterwards, is uh, about a nuclear attack on Sheffield. Um, but it, it was great because... Uh... Americans were saying, oh, the day after it was so powerful, it was so, so oh, no, mate, no, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, and the day after is a film that has Steve Gutenberg die of radiation poisoning. So mm. <laughs> to, to be, that looks like um, Mary Poppins compared to Threads. But we're not here to talk about Threads, but, but we are in the... Um, dystopian British science fiction um, and not really one of um, the cosy catastrophes um, as John Wyndham's stories were rather unfairly described as this is much more as the the death of grass style of <laughs> utter misery dystopia um, the, the backstory here uh, based on a novel by P.D. James mm. much better mm. known for her mystery stories yeah, or loosely based I think it's fair to say uh, yes, yeah, we'll probably come on to that. Uh, the backstory here is that uh, humanity has suddenly become infertile in the space of a few months. Sperm counts drop to zero, um, and there has not been a child born for 18 years. Um, most, uh, as a consequence of this and other catastrophes, I think it's suggested environmental collapse, but it is a bit vague. In the tradition of a lot of dystopian films, the actual cause of the collapse is a bit vague, um, but it's partly the collapse in fertility, partly, I think, environmental, partly... I think climate change doesn't really play as big a part here as it probably would do if it was filmed nowadays. I, I don't it's recall it being mentioned. No, I, maybe maybe I'm just reading that <laughs> into it. Um, most other nations of the world have collapsed. Britain has not collapsed, but only by dint of basically becoming a fascist um, uh, dictatorship. Um, and imagine this, treating immigrants as if being an immigrant was something illegal um, and awful that only foreign people do. Mm. I know that's, that's hard to picture, um, given our current uh, state of affairs. Well, that's the thing. I mean, on the one hand, this film is described as, as prophetic for putting for foregrounding that sort of thing on the other hand you know i was there i knew there were people who were feeling that way at the time yeah and they've they've just been pandered to because it gets votes yeah i mean i suppose what isn't pretty again when, when really was that national before. front councillor elected that was somewhat sometime in the early mid 2000s and it and, and then immediately a... the the big parties started saying well if that guy's electable then there yeah. are lots of people who who will vote for somebody who says bad things about immigrants well, this is, um, 
I mean, we live in a, a sad age of populism now, and populism isn't really in this film. So it, it, in some ways, I suppose, at that point, they're post-populism and into dictatorship. But I remember I, this... I think, sorry, I, I want, just want to jump in there. We, we don't really see much of the life of normal people. So it's, it's hard to say just how, how popular or populist it is. Yes, um, it's, uh, I mean, we see a brief bit of, so we have Clive Owen as this kind of, um, uh, middle-aged bureaucrat who has a, a slight history of activism, but has basically given up. Um, and we see that the populace is, uh, not, basically like us, but shabbier. Um, they are less, they not, they don't seem to be all glued to their phones, whether there's no internet now or <laughs> whether, um, uh, whether it's been um, banned or whether it, the internet never developed, we don't know. But he um, he is contacted by uh, an old flame who is now a member of a resistance organisation called the the Fishers. I missed. I, I I must either I wasn't concentrating. I couldn't quite work out why they were called the Fishers, but I think it's some reference, religious reference to the Five Fishers or something. That's like that. that's certainly in the book. Yeah, I, I think. Okay, it, it's interesting. This this um, went through. Uh, four bouts of four revisions of screenwriting with different uh, writers on it. It had five writers altogether after James, and then apparently Clavin threw some stuff in at the last minute for himself. Um, but it, it's it's really interesting to if you read a synopsis of the book, there's one on Wikipedia. Yes. Um, As I did, yes. think that there are things that are in there, and you can recognise as yeah, they just took this straight through because it was a distinctive thing, and there are other yes. things which are completely. It's, it's a very, it's a very different synopsis, which we can we can talk through in a bit. Uh, but in this film, um, uh, he uh, through a series of misadventures finds himself uh, the one charged with looking after the first pregnant woman in eighteen years. Uh, for reasons which aren't very clear to me, they have to or, or seem like a terrible idea to me. They have to smuggle this heavily heavily pregnant woman into one of the most secure, miserable... Basically, and I don't want to belittle, but basically trying to smuggle themselves into either the Warsaw Ghetto or um, uh, Auschwitz or somewhere very similar to that. Well, they're they're not actually doing industrial slaughter. Not yet, no. Again, it's sort of very much more... It's more the kind of... It's not quite the Warsaw Ghetto, but it's it's in a concentration camp style. I think think we're very much meant to think that. I mean, all all those um, street scenes with people in cages... I, th- I think we are definitely supposed to be getting Schindler flashbacks, pianist flashbacks. Yeah, I, I think visually these are very deliberate nods to Nazi stuff um, and Schindler uh, and basically that kind of people as um, uh, as cattle. Um, uh, yeah, and, and uh, I think there are very strong visual call, callbacks to that. I just uh, the reason I bring this up during the synopsis is that I just I really struggled to see why anyone would ever think that was a good idea, and it's mm. just immediately hitched upon. Instead of like, well, we could get there right now to the other place. We could drive there right now and get there, or and... we could find a different bit of coast and take a boat a little bit further. Yeah, yeah. No, instead we'll go. I mean. I'll, Again, uh, it led to this very interesting bit of film, but I, I really struggled with the plot synopsis at that point. Um, um, yeah, so this is a science fiction film, uh, but it is a very much small s, small f. It, it's a film which I think you described it to me off air as incurious science fiction. Yeah, well, th- this is the thing. Um, 
I, there may well be a proper critical term for it, which I don't know. It yes. seems to me that science fiction, as I normally think of it, yes. uh, is not just, you know, it's set in the future. It's, um, it's about having a problem and working out uh, how to solve it or ha- having a technology and working out the implications of it, you know. Yeah. It's not how would teleportation work. It doesn't have to answer that, but it says, yes. okay, if there is now cheap teleportation, how does that affect society? Yeah, what are the implications of that? Yes. There is a lot of, um, in, in, in its most elemental form, it's known as the engineer with a wrench story. You know, here is a problem and we fix it by being heroically good at engineering. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, but yeah, that, that is definitely not this. Um, this does feel very much like in the vein of, uh, well, uh, it does feel very much like the kind of story you get when a writer who hasn't written science fiction before writes some science fiction. Yes. Yeah. Um, as, and now if you're George Orwell, you can do that really, really well, I think. Uh, I, I suppose in Curious, I, I agree with you. I think it was perhaps a bit, uh, harsh but it but it is as far as the the cause of the infertility the reason behind it the the writers of the film whatever we're not really interested in that what we're interested in is what has happened to society and this is this this film isn't really that interested in children or infertility either it's just interested in Hmm. how people behave when society collapses well that that was the thing that threw me a bit because about 10 minutes in uh we've got um, what's his name? Theo and Michael Theo, Caine. Yes, Clive Owen. That's <laughs> in theory a, ca- a character name, but he's Michael Caine. Uh, but that, oh, know, I really liked him. Anyway, we'll talk about that. But yeah, they're having a conversation and, and they, they point out, you know, yes, the world has gone to pot. And yeah. even if fertility magically returned overnight, the, still, the world would still be in a, in a horrible place. Yeah, I thought that was a good, uh, interesting conversation. And so, yeah, but the problem is that undermines the rest of the film. Yeah, the, yeah. the film is all about, let us get this baby to the ship. Yeah. But how is that going to fix anything? Even if yes. it all works perfectly. Well, maybe it doesn't matter that it, it wouldn't. It's just an important symbol of something. But yeah. you're right. I mean, as Clive Iron's character points out, it was already shit before the infertility happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like, um, which I appreciated. I, I like that it wasn't, um, this kind of magical, uh, it plays with that a bit as well. When uh, and I did like this in the film when he he asks, um, uh, oh, what was in that key? He hmm. asks Key, um, who's the father, and she says, it, I, "I'm a virgin." It's a virgin, man. <laughs> he's utterly stunned. And then she's she's taking the piss. It's not mm-hmm. true at all. <laughs> she just can't remember who the father is. Um, yeah, it was um, it was it was a nice move. But I agree, it it sort of undermines its own premise, and that's because. Much as I hate to say it, the, the pregnant Key, uh, who is a great character, but the the baby rather than Key is is a MacGuffin here, mm. not really relevant to the story particularly, and not really relevant to the story that is trying to be told. It is not a story about uh, parenthood um, or what it means. It, it's a, it's really a story about how humanity behaves when it thinks it doesn't have a future. Mm. And uh, as society is collapsing, and I think as on, on that level it works really well for me. Um, it, it's an interesting MacGuffin, and I, I, unfortunately for me, I agree with you. It, it's sort of a distracting MacGuffin because it, it it gives you an idea of something that isn't this. It isn't really what the story's about, or at yeah. least I thought so. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I did like that um, pan over 
various newspapers. It, it's not a big info dump the way it is in Back to the Future, though that works too. But yeah. it's just, you know, here, here are some background things which we're not going to bother to talk about in, in the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, just some things that happen to get... But the the sad thing I find from our own dystopian future is I, I it isn't that far removed from where... I mean, what seems different in that future is there isn't the, the level of populism that we have nowadays, but mm. the uh, the ease of which people believe... Everybody well, on the bus is looking very bored by these things about immigrants are evil. Yeah, yeah, and how easy it is to victimise a whole class of people. And yes, how uninterested people generally are as their rights and freedoms are taken away until they're the next person on the bus. Mm-hmm. So I found that depressing. I do remember reading V for Vendetta, and in the introduction, Alan Moore says, uh, the main thing I got wrong in V for Vendetta is thinking it would take a nuclear war to push Britain towards this kind of mm-hmm. government. And as the years pass, that makes me feel sadder. However, um, this is not a Threads misery fest. Um, yeah, and what, what I think actually works very well coming out of that incurious science fiction angle is mm. that the separation of why the oppression is happening yeah. from the actual mechanics of how the oppression works. Yes. I, I don't know whether that was a deliberate thing on, on Quaron's part, but um, it works very well for me. Yeah, yes. it could be any any of many reasons why we are suddenly having armed police on every corner and so on. Yes, yeah, I agree. I I think where this film massively works for me is in the kind of the nitty gritty. Um, and hmm. I will say, oh, it, to me, the action sequences in this film are some of the most uh, visceral uh, I have seen. Uh, right from the opening where the bomb goes off. Uh, and he's, we don't have a hero who's like shrugs it off. He's terrified. Mm. Um, even though this is a sort of commonplace experience for him, he's still terrified. You know, small things like the coffee that he's bought is just blown across the street and he just, mm. um, but the one that just floored me was the, um, uh, the car attack. So yeah. we have them yeah. all in this car. Uh, driving to, uh, I forget what they, they're, they're basically heading to a safe house. Um, we have Julia Moore in the front. Um, have we seen a Julia Moore film before? I we, have, we have. Twice. Uh, uh, the, the Big Lebowski. In, um, uh, the Big Lebowski, and of course she was in, uh, um, Magnolia. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, but I, what it, we have. I'm, I'm really sorry. getting more interested in her as, as an actor at this point, because she's yeah, had she's, these three. Not, not, not individually particularly amazing parts, but they're very diverse parts, and I like they what she's doing with them. Yeah, yeah, she's really interesting to watch. Um, so here we have, you know, you're inside the car, and you sort of see this, what is that, is that fire or something, as they're glancing up, and then it's a burning car rolling down mm-hmm. to the to the road. And then what happens is, Basically two, as far as I could see, two simultaneous action sequences happening at once in that we have what's happening inside the car, Julian's more character, Julian's more, uh, character gets shot in the throat and they're desperately trying to stem the blood. They're trying to deal with what is this happening? We just come out of this kind of sweet moment where they were sort of playing ping pong with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst outside simultaneously we have this attack going on of these people driving around and Clive Owen trying to deal with, I, I just, that just absolutely blew me away that you have the, the motorbike mm. right for, and it's all, uh, 
it reminded me slightly of Rope, and Rope is Al- Al- uh, Alfred Hitchcock's experimental film where he did it all in one continuous take. Yeah, and there's there's um. Uh, there's little cheats because the film stock didn't run long enough to do a whole film in that way. Anyway, yeah, but... I mean, also filming a single sequence that long is very Bonkers. hard because yeah, it, it, like, like building a larger chip with more transistors, everyone has to work. Exactly, and, and if it goes more, wrong, more go it takes wrong. another day, two days, three days. My, to my set understanding it up. is that they did, they did a fair, fair bit of patching with CG, and that worked. Well, that, that does work pretty well. I mean, I'm not complaining. Mm-hmm. You don't see the joins. Um, well, but it, it has that documentary feel. It does. And again, that's, it's slightly borne out. And again, I think a lot of, we talked about influence a lot on the podcast. And I think 2001 and the, the, the Twin Towers falling over, um, had a huge influence on film and, mm. and, and became this kind of, but the, I've never seen, I've seen kind of born style, like, uh, born, the born identity style action sequences, which have all sort of come out of that style, um, that, uh, idea and we've had a number of kind of confusing combat like in Platoon um, Well I, I think that there was a bit of documentary footage from uh, the invasion of Iraq but most, but mostly not, there was a lot more um, after 9-11 with the various military actions that followed that yes, and I, I yeah. think people were starting to see, at least if they wanted to uh, and you know, here is actual footage from actual people being shot at Yes, uh, and in, I think in a way that, that is, wasn't widely seen before that. And I think again, that was a huge influence on this sort of thing. Yes, but what it, it wasn't so much that because I've seen that quite a few times now because that was very influential. What surprised me about that sequence in particular was I didn't have any difficulty following what was happening, hmm. despite all the confusion and all the chaos. You're right in there with them. You know exactly what's happening. You know what the stakes are. You know he has to reverse out the way. There's a. a ju- I was just blown away by that. That yeah. particular action sequence, I was just stunned by. Honestly, also some really cunning technical bits. Um, they they, they um, worked on a car so that they could drop individual seats out of the line of line of uh, filming, so that they could put a camera in where that where that person's head would be. Oh my goodness! Kind of okay, thing. and that's yeah. Well, it's uh, that. It's funny you say because I I I almost don't believe it when you say it because it just feels so real when you're in it that you can't quite believe it was a film. I I do, I was just um, stunned by it. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. So I, I will stop gushing about it. But there were <laughs> a few others like that. Um, and particularly, you know, we have the the very long sequence at the end. And I have my problems with the Bexhill largely as a as a plot point. It just didn't make any sense to me. But that the moment um, the, the street where fighting going, in effect the street fighting basically, which again looks it felt a little bit like um, Kubrick's uh, Full Metal Jacket, only to me much more competently done. Frankly, uh, you could again you could follow what was happening. And there, was, there was only one one bit that really didn't work for me, and that's because I am I am a sad techno nerd. Um, some, somebody fires an anti-tank weapon from one of the upper windows and blows up one of the tanks. Yes. And you see it moving slow. No, that, that you should have a bar of light. That those, okay, those things are damn yeah. fast. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, apart from that, which is admittedly quite minor. Yeah. Now that sequence ended with the slightly, uh, you know, he walks out with the baby and we have the choir in the background. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, John, uh, yeah, John Tavener, yeah. I think, did, did that piece. Uh, well, how did you feel about that? That was, I, I mean, we've, up until uh, that point, it's been very, 
gritty and and realistic and kind of the antagonists it was, this is where it felt realistic to me the antagonists up to that point have basically just been scattered and killed and and now they just got to escape um hmm. but yeah i mean i i wrote down the miracle of the squaddies <laughs> i do were I did. And, and you know, you bring in that heavenly choir music, and this is obviously meant yeah. to be a big religious moment. And all right, there, there have been um, things pointing at, pointing at, uh, echoing the nativity before yeah. this point, but this is the stage in which okay, we're we're going to go flat out on this. So, I, Mr. I, Subtlety just, has left the building. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I, you know, for, when it happened at so he's carrying the there. She's uh, Key's carrying her child. Um, and he meets like the the small, the, basically a squad of soldiers on the stairs. Mm. Um, and I think, oh, it's a captain with some humanity. Okay, and he's like, stop firing. That's fine. Um, and I, you know, I was with it. And then it was a bit like when um, George Lucas messed with Star Wars, and we have Han Solo <laughs> instead of meeting a, a squad of stormtroopers, he runs into a whole room full of more stormtroopers we've stormtroopers ever seen before, and then runs back out again. Well, here he walks out, and there's more soldiers than we've seen in the whole film up until this point. It's mm-hmm. just absolutely, and not one of them thinks I'm going to be in real shit if I let these people just walk out of here. Um, yeah. Not one of the majors, the generals is like, what the fuck are you all doing? That's the first baby. We need to capture that. Not one of them says it. Yeah, I it's mean, just, I, but particularly since the, the rebels have been talking about how important it is for them. Mm. So. You don't think, yeah, that would be a massive propaganda victory for... Uh, uh, it just... Yeah. I I, I don't... And frankly... Not everyone likes babies all that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had two children, and I love them very dearly. Babies, I'm still not very keen on. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe if I hadn't seen a baby for 18 years, uh, maybe. But I, I have heard uh, several women say some variation on any mother who says she's never wanted to kill her baby is either lying or talking to her social worker. <laughs> yeah, I think that did that. So that that spoiled. That's why that action sequence fades in my memory a bit because it had such an ending. Um, mm. uh, yeah, and it's a shame because that it, that cast a bit of a pall over the rest. Of, oh, there wasn't much of the film left, but it, it stretched credulity to me to the point of like, oh, really? Okay. The the other thing that um, slightly irked me that was uh, was. We've been gradually losing allies one by one. I mean, this starts off as more or less an ensemble piece. Yes. Uh, but then, you know, Julian's gone and then we can't trust those guys anymore. And then that guy's shot and then uh, Miriam's yeah. taken away and, and yes. right, it's just them now. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a plausible enough thing to happen. I'm not saying it's unrealistic, but it, but it felt, um, this is being forced so that he is the one guy who has to do the thing. It reached the level of, um, I have delivered my plot point and now I am vulnerable to the plot and I will not last much longer. And I, yeah. I felt that was very strong with Miriam, you know, to the point where she unasked for unloads her background on Clive hmm. Owen's character. Which um, I found I particularly admit- weird because she's tell- talking about it as if this were news to him, but he, he was there. I mean, he would be, he would have been similarly aware. I, I suspect yeah. pretty much everybody was was um, consuming I mean, some she, sort of news about what, what's going on. Yeah, she has a perspective as a midwife, um, but he would have had the same. Perspective. Yeah, so it's and 
I, it felt a bit unearned. They haven't been particularly close as characters. I think she was a great... Miriam was a great character, really well played. Mm. Um, uh, Pam Ferris, whom I don't think I've seen before. I uh, I definitely know the name. I'm going to have to look that. I think I've seen her in... Uh, was she... She wasn't um, uh, in the Darling Buds of May, was she? That can't be the same Pam uh, Yes, as Florence <laughs> Marlarkin. Oh my god, she was Mar Larkin. Oh my god, I've seen Mar Larkin executed. That's very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Except you don't actually see her execute. Um, I just, well, she was phenomenal in that case. I, 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 wow. I, uh, I thought she was really good there. Um, and I thought she was really good. Taciturn, no nonsense character. I've met, you know, people just like that. Uh, but yeah, then, quite, and, quite and suspicious she, of this big manly man at first. Yeah, and then they warm. But yeah. then she, she just felt like, and I, it was at that, it had reached a level of attrition where I was like, oh, she's told us a backstory. She's going to die in the next scene. And it was two or three scenes later that she died, actually, but mm. it wasn't far off. And si- a similar thing happened to Theo. Um, you know, I've done my plot thing now. Oh, he got me. Uh, and it was. I, I have to say that if somebody is shot badly enough to be losing a lot of blood, Half an hour later, yeah, he really would have difficulty doing all those physical things he's doing between those moments. Now I, I know the minute where he was shot because there's a bit where he kind of goes, Ugh, and that's like with an assault rifle. It, it um, is meant to be Luke specifically who who shoots him. After yeah, all. who shoot? Yeah, and um, yeah, you don't. The, I know he was doing the the kind of the the religious walk and didn't look at all wounded. It felt like um, right, I've done me plot. Now I can die. And it was right mm. after she saying, are you okay? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm fine. And it, <laughs> I mean, that was a very British thing to be. Uh, uh, I agree. And I, again, I assume Clive Owen is, is a competent enough actor that if he had been told, look as if you're in pain, but say you're fine anyway, he could have done it. Yes, but he, he doesn't. Um, so uh, once he said, you're fine, I thought, oh, you, you, you are. Oh, it's not going to do that. Oh, no, it is. Yeah, no, he is dying. Uh, same thing happened to Michael Caine's character. We can, I'd like to talk about Michael Caine's character. Mm. I, I know you were, you were unimpressed with his performance here. It was the first time I've got the sense that he was not giving it the full Michael Caine. Okay. okay. Now, maybe he was, and I mean, by, by all accounts, he was basically doing, doing, um, the John Lennon because he obviously knew John Lennon, yeah, and he, and he was basically acting him, yeah. But I don't know. It felt as if he maybe did, just didn't need to try very hard. I maybe maybe I was just happy to see Michael Caine. Uh, we haven't seen him on Ribbon of Memes since then. The Man Who Would Be King. I yeah, he's, he's the other returning actor here. Um, I uh, I I really liked it. I, I felt it was a very warm hippie character um hmm. but again it, it would have been it, nice to have some sort of backstory about the wife maybe yeah yeah i, I don't know if i needed it though i like well basically switch. i think i think i want to see the film about him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i i like the bait and switch where they come in and they see the the home euthanasia kit on the floor and he thinks oh he's done it he's like oh no i just poisoned the rats with it but it turns out towards the end probably he was uh planning to euthanize himself um hmm. uh or his wife um uh, but again. Oh boy, that guy's incompetent. You have to shoot the guy three times with a pistol before he stops moving. <laughs> a, a close range. I, I think you're meant to think that he shot his finger off when he says, pull my finger, but it's not, it's not oh, very clear. But, yeah. Um, but, uh, the, uh, that was the other thing. The audio, when did it strike me? There was a, again, it shouldn't have made me laugh, but there's a, as they're driving in a train, there's a picture of a ton of burning 
livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the livestock's, uh, one of its hooves falls off. But we've got absolutely pitch perfect audio from its hooves just going. <laughs> Even that, it just it really struck me as a weird thing. And we had then when we had the Michael Caine murder, even though he's uh, tens, hundreds of meters away, you can hear exactly what's going on. And hmm. I don't know, it called back to me that the cow's leg plopping off. So <laughs> it didn't quite work in in that way. But I, I, yes. I confess, possibly because I've seen too much of the wrong sort of film, that I was expecting him being killed to be to be the trigger for the house blowing up or something, but. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, some kind of. He seemed like that kind of. I'm so on top of this that I'm going to have predicted this. Yeah. Still, I like the pull my finger. Um, but um, I what I was a, a little surprised about, and I, I suppose I was, I was. We got we diverged ourselves, but this is threads. Um, as we have talked about, um, is an utter bleak misery fest with no humor or happiness or any hope. And here. Uh, Although it is exactly that kind of dark dystopian story, there is hope and there is humour. And interestingly, we have kind of... There's some religious overtones to it, as we've already talked about, some of which were really heavy-handed and too much. But it's not afraid to talk about religion and the importance of kind of spirituality, I think, and hope, Mm. which I appreciated in this sort of film. Um, like many people have given up hope, but the resistance fighters haven't, and the um, and I suppose this is where maybe the pregnancy ties in that it becomes a symbol of hope, even if the re- it isn't really that. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's Clive Owen's characters just who's given up hope is saying, "Well, I wouldn't make a difference if there was another baby now." I mean, that's not what they're talking about, but. He's he's kind of wrong, and that's the way I read it in this film. That he, what we're seeing is Theo's transformation to someone with hope, um, mm, even yeah. though he has to die for reasons of plot by the end of the film. <laughs> um, so, I, and I did like. Well, I, 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 I've read on the beach, so. Well, so that's the, about the importance of hope, even when there is none, isn't it? Really. Um, well, also going out with a bit of dignity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I have started reading. I'm afraid I watched the film in the end, which is which is very good as well. Um, but, but for, for like me, at least that, that's. I mean, it, yeah, it's mannered, obviously. Um, well, th- and yes. it, 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 it's much more optimistic in the sense that it assumes human humanity would, in general, have at least a bit of dignity. Whereas yes, here yeah. Whereas that. here, here feels feels a bit more. Um, uh, it was nice to see uh, some just old-fashioned hippies, I think, and some kind of, I don't know. I, I was slightly surprised at the humanistic hippie spiritualistic angle. Um, yeah, it's not. I don't think explicitly stated, but um, Miriam has obviously got got a bit syncretic in her religious approach, and she is quite yes. happy to invoke anything that's going to work. And I, oh, and yeah, I do like that a lot. Got a kind of a, a gnosis thing going on that really she she just had her own religion. I mean, even though it got her killed. So I, I, I was sorry to see Miriam go. And I, That's interesting. Exactly. The synopsis suggests that she's doing it as a deliberate distraction. I'm not sure I saw that in the performance. Uh, it might just I, be a stress I, response, you know? I wasn't sure. I think the first time she did it, I thought, oh, she's doing it as a, as a deliberate distraction. But um, the second time, the third, she gets so um, kind of dogmatic about it. Um, mm. 
but then his response is very good. I, I really like that whole sequence going into Bexhill. I just was constantly thinking, this place is so horrible. Why would they ever, why would they ever do that? Yeah. Um, instead of just going, to a boy up the road it was it's made no sense to me i really liked um oh what's his name um peter is it peter mullen um uh the uh as sid the kind of third person perspective mm-hmm. um uh awful uh scottish uh, border guard and that was that uh, was i mean they were great characters I mean, that, that, also... that is one of the things that let's face it some of us have been saying for years which is when the, when the fascists take over yes they will very easily find people to be their bully boys on the ground <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> well so how did you think i'm i i thought he was interestingly conflicted i mean he is he is one of the few conflicted characters here i think yes because on, yeah. the, on the one hand yes he's quite happily um working with uh was it jasper yes and, and you know buying the dope off him and so on and he's he's quite happy to help smuggle these guys in, and then he's also quite happy to flip and say, "Right, your valuable commodities, I'm going to sell you." Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was um, uh, yeah, uh, it was a nice. I mean, they were all really good performances here. Uh, how did you feel about the kind of the the fascist angle? I, I, what I mean by that is, I think we both picked up. I don't think it's a, you know, it's deliberately evoking the kind of the Schindler's List um, vibe. Mm. Was that uncomfortable for you? Visually, that, that it felt a lot like um, you know, post nine eleven influence. Yes, the, the sort of blatant power grab that we were seeing then that people still had the energy to resist. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yes. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. As opposed to um, the more populist. Yeah, you hate immigrants. We all hate immigrants. Yeah. Therefore, you won't mind this or that or the other, and it's a good thing. Yeah, that's. I find that even more depressing in a way. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it was sort of. I guess everyone's. It's a similar thing to everyone fighting the last war, and uh, uh, in two thousand six, like the last war was still the Second World War, so it kind of mimics that more and the rise of autocracy more than our. I, I think there is a lot of the immediate post nine eleven stuff going on. And, and yes, you know, here is a crisis. We we will bring in new laws because of this crisis. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I in, think... in that sense, it looks a bit outdated to me. But yeah, I, I we... think you're right politically. Yeah. And it it wasn't a very politically ill film in that sense. Um, visually, it it was very believable to see that sort of thing happening in the UK. The other film it reminded me of a bit was 28 Days Later, um, about which uh, we may talk about more. Yeah, we, we will come back to when we deal with another. Uh, yes, uh, but it's uh, I, for me it, it worked, uh, possibly because we've watched The, the, the Pianist and um, Schindler's List, uh, but to see that happen here, uh, I don't know, yeah, it just gives a lie to the... It couldn't happen here, it was very believable. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the performances? We haven't talked about the performances much, uh, other than Michael Caine's, which I liked, and you, you thought was like... Um, well, I, and Julianne Moore's. Because... Um, she didn't get much to do, but she did it very well, I thought. Yes, absolutely. How about Theo, Clive Owen? We haven't really talked about his. Yeah, so I think the only other thing I'd seen him in uh, is, is Sin City, which is, oh, by design, yeah. much more stereotyped. Yeah, yeah. Um... Sometimes I got the feeling that that he was uh, waiting for the tough guy bits to start. 
yeah, that may be because you've seen him in Sin City, I suppose. Um, he, so, yeah. Is he the boxer in Sin City? Uh, uh, yeah. I can't something. remember. <laughs> I've rather gone off Frank Miller now. I've realised quite how right-wing he is in, in reality. Yeah. Um, uh, I... I have seen Clive Owen in a number of things. Uh, I watched him in Chance for a few times. I watched him in Privateer Two: The Darkening, which was a, um, a an old um, uh, computer game that I played. Hmm. He does. I don't know that he's got a very broad range, frankly. In in that he always seems to play that kind of character. Though I haven't seen Sin City, but he always plays Clive Owen. I feel. Um, I haven't seen him in Closer, I think, which is the film which probably got him the most acclaim. Mm. Um, I uh, I thought his performance really suited it here, though. I mean, he looked genuinely scared when he was scared. He looked mm. uh, he looked like he was he wasn't really an action hero in this. He was just stumbling through and getting on. And I I thought well, he gradually becomes more competent as he gets called on to do actiony stuff. Yes, I, yeah. I think one could reasonably infer, though I, d- I didn't notice it being stated, that he has some sort of background of training or something of that nature. I mean, he's the one that generally solves the problems, but he's, he doesn't feel like you know John McClane levels of competence here. Hmm. Um, but you genuinely feel. I suppose I was a bit surprised because I knew it was coming, but when he dies, I felt like Keys alone without her protector, and I, I, I was worried for her. Um, so mm. uh, I think he worked on that level that he's, yeah. he's uh, that uh, kind I, of... I, I was saying, look, mate, you're obviously injured. Why don't you tie up to the boy? Because she can't <laughs> handle the boat on her own. Yeah, she's just going to be drifting. It was, it was right there. <laughs> it was right there. Um, but okay. Um, yes, I liked his performance. Um, I, I, oh, we've spoken about um, Pam Ferris, who I thought was phenomenal as Miriam. Um, yeah, I, yeah. D- I don't think I'd seen her before. And um, I think a relatively early role for Chiwetel Ejiofor as Luke. I don't think I'm ever going to complain about seeing a film with Chiwetel Ejiofor in because he is always phenomenal. Again, I don't know if he, I don't know if he has a huge. I don't know. He often plays these kind of slightly, uh, slightly untrustworthy characters that either turn out to be heroes or villains, and very much so one or the other by the end of the film. Hmm. Uh, sometimes both. Um, but he's incredibly watchful. I think he's great. Yeah. So yes, that that was a very good role. Uh, I mean, Pro- probably can do things wrong, but I haven't seen him do it yet. <laughs> yes, exactly that. Um, he's he, to me, he's in the Don Cheadle level of if you can hire Don Cheadle, then hire Don Cheadle. Mm. Um, but probably, possibly, well, I don't know. Maybe not got the range, but uh, maybe not seen him in the right thing. Um, yeah, I, I, and, and those I think are really the main characters. I think so. I mean, we can, um, we can broaden even out. As, as I say, we, we don't learn much about Key, except I, she is pregnant. I like Key, though, because she could have just been a scared, pregnant female character that needs a protector, but she, um, she takes no shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she, uh, um, she trusts, um, Theo, but because she's been told to by someone she really trusts, um, I, I, and she's got a sense of humour, uh, which I really appreciate in a film like this, which doesn't have yeah. a great deal of humour otherwise. Um, I, I don't have a full list of her career, but offhand, this appears to be the second thing she did. Okay, well, I, I thought she was great in it. Um, uh, it was a nice and a nicely uh, well. Uh, 
uh, it was nice to see. I mean, she wasn't. Obviously, we have a white guy as the main character, but it was nice to see a um, uh, a black female character mm. as well. The first pregnant woman in um, in eighteen years was a nice thing. Well, also, just acknowledging, yeah, there are in fact black people in England. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and yes. Most of the time, nobody really notices or cares or treats them differently, and and that's just the way things are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, um, and that was a nice, even in a even in a dystopian society where immigrants are uh, being rounded up and as a prelude, presumably to being executed. Um, yeah, that didn't, that yeah, didn't matter here because she was. I, I, I think they're trying to imply, um, give, given that every country other than Britain has collapsed, yes. um, that probably it, it's mostly the you know local French, German, Italian people who look like white people. Yeah. At yeah, least according yeah. to the stereotype. Well, we certainly had uh, German and East European and uh, French people in the in the hmm. uh, in the tanks. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so overall, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I was expecting because I was expecting to be miserable the whole way through. But <laughs> there, there was enough levity. Where, uh, maybe that's why I like Michael Caine's character because he just basically stuck his middle finger up at the 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 gritty concrete dystopian misery of it mm. um and was his own character but I, I liked the kind of i found the spiritualism or the humanism or both because it's not really specific i don't think about what it is i found that was a welcome relief um from the misery of it um and the story gripped me i mean i i kind of that i suppose it was a predictable story in that yes as you say it was clearly going to be Clive Owen and Key towards the end. Sorry, Theo and Key towards the end. And almost certainly Theo was going to survive just long enough to discharge his duties and then die. Um, and then it was almost certainly going to have a sort of ambiguous ending. And I probably could have told you that the minute <laughs> it was clear what was happening. Um, but the action sequences were phenomenal to me. Yeah. The acting performances were very good. I, I think um, as a film, it worked much better than it would have as a story. For me, well, that's it. How different the book is! Very, very different, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, I, I should say I, I have not read the book. No, um, we both just read a synopsis of it. I expect I, I have read quite a few P. D. James uh, mysteries recently. I'm, I'm gradually working my way through her output. Okay, and did this feel like her writing? I could least? certainly see elements that were, but yeah, there, there, there were things that came in, like like the name, the fishes, which seemed very much like the sort of thing a James would do. Okay. Uh, and then there was stuff that was, nah, yeah, this is, this is <laughs> clearly separate. Yeah. I mean, in the, I mean, in the there, book... there are things that come, only come through in background detail, like, like the thing about, um, the gynecological examinations for women, where, where we just see a poster saying, you know, don't skip your exam. Yes. Yeah, but there's, yeah. there's more of a thing made of that in the, in the book. Well, in the book, he ends up, uh, becoming the ruler of England, Theo, and he's sort of an Oxford Don, and it's... Uh, by, by the traditional, um, uh, you, you kill the king, you become the king. <laughs> exactly, yes, because it, it's become something of a theocracy, which is sort of implied here. Oh, was the, the Battersea power station being turned into an art installation, was it? Was very, yeah. <laughs> it was a nice visual well, Also, it's Julian it. who's pregnant. So, oh yes, so, it's Julian's pregnant. So, so yes, Key is completely invented for the film. Yeah, Key's not, and Luke is... Uh, 
good and also the father um, rather than evil, the evil and nothing at all to do with it. Uh, yeah, so it, it's, as you say, loosely based. Um, I think, so for me, summarising it, as far as does it work as science fiction, uh, I suppose... Uh, you, using not... a generous definition of science fiction, which I think is the only fair one to use, then yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I, as it's dystopian... not as, as I say. It's not about the solving the problem, but but it's set in a context of given the situation, what is a thing that might happen, and that is a very science fictional way of doing things. Yeah, so that and that's fair enough. Even though, that, uh, yeah, we, the actual mechanisms are a bit incurious. I think you've really hit the nail on the head when you said it's not so much why the mechanisms of autocracy of of um, are being applied here. It's how they are and what happens when they are, and that really did work for me. The, the way it, the way it was portrayed yeah, I mean, here. If it, if it had been more about what normal life is like and less about the specific actiony thing, I think that yeah. might have made a better balance for me. But you know, yes. that's just for me. Yes, I, um, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, what worked for me was uh, the story, frankly, the action, the the touch of humanism. Uh, the lightness in the darkness, and and that casts such a counterpoint on the misery that, unlike Threads, where I'm in a bad mood for a week after watching it, <laughs> um, I could watch this and not feel quite so depressed. Oh, I didn't touch on the 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 ship. What was it called? Hope. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. I knew it was some unsubtle. <laughs> um, uh, so the people on that, God, they looked so happy and cheerful. And it, I mean, it was no, um, it was no master and commander that was sailing towards them. They was, uh, <laughs> it, it felt a bit unsubtle that that was clearly the salvation, the human project. Um, overall, though, uh, I very much enjoyed it. I was gripped enough by the story and the action sequences were not only clear as to what was going on and clear to the stakes but they were just uh phenomenal yeah um, re- really good documentary type action sequence yes. for me uh dragged down unfortunately by uh the i uh, the fact that the the fertility thing was a MacGuffin really by the um the the baby Jesus sequence for want of a better term yeah. well, um, one, and... one thing that didn't really quite work for me, I, I found the colour grading very obvious um, this is possibly because mm-hmm. I haven't seen all that many films of this particular era where, when right. it was becoming the thing that you had to do Yeah. Uh, but you know the, the that very first street scene where we get the London 2027 caption uh, I mean, yeah we, we have tinted this very very blue yeah, and most of it is tinted pretty blue, and then you've got the occasional warm orange indoor scene. You're supposed to be f- feeling more positive now. Yeah, and then now this is all blue until the end of the film. Yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite traffic levels of tinting, but it, it, <laughs> it was it was unsubtle. It's true. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I've been looking forward to watching Children of Men for a long time because I've been told it's very, very good. Um, how do you feel? Was it a masterpiece for you? In some ways, um, <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm being very um, stingy with with the masterpiece label. Uh, visually, right, apart yeah. from the color grading, I loved it. Yeah, I felt, and uh, in the performances, I, I, I was pretty impressed. I did feel let down by the story. Yeah, 
I, I, the other thing I didn't touch on on the drag deck, well, it was absolutely the thing you agreed with, the, the, or you identified the attrition of the main characters until we're down to the important ones, and then, oh yeah, uh, now it's just key now, obviously. Uh, yes, I think the story let it down. Uh, not overall, but just some of the predictable beats of it. Uh, I think, though, for me, the action sequences, particularly the car, uh, that sequence was just so phenomenal, mm. and I was so invested and so shy. And I was watching it on my phone as I usually do, and I was just absolutely. <laughs> blown. I, I think for me that was a. It, it, if masterpiece is like the pinnacle of the form, that is how I want action sequences to be. That was. I mean, not, that, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, that that was just brilliant, and it's got Michael Caine in it. And yes, he was Michael Caine, but I love Michael Caine. So, I'm happy <laughs> with Michael Caine. so for me, yes, but with reservation. So similar to you, but I think an unequivocal yes, but with some reservations. Um, and would I watch it again? I would certainly like to watch it again and see if I uh, not not for a while, but hmm. pick up on stuff that I may have missed. Um, I'm not. I had wondered, will I read the book? Having read the synopsis, no, I'm not going to read the books. <laughs> it's, it's very different. And I, I think it is it's a, a lot more, I'm not a science fiction writer, but I'm going to run science fiction. How hard can it be? Yeah. Which is a common pattern, sadly, uh, that that, does, than the uh, film is. Yes, exactly. At least the film, it was, uh, I mean, I'd heard the film described as the anti-Blade Runner, which I think is a, a, a bit harsh. Well, that, that was an instruction to the visual designer. Yeah. He, he didn't want it looking futuristic. He he wanted yeah. it looking present day plus a bit. So you've got things like the cars look like familiar models of car, but just slightly different, that kind of thing. And I suppose maybe that works for us because we are closer to the purported future than we are, um, you know, in Blade Runner. We're past that future. It doesn't look anything like that. But uh, we're closer to the purported future here than they were when they filmed it. And it's still, yeah, it it doesn't look... Uh, what dates it is more the, the politics in a way, but mm. not the visual feel of it. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, uh, I very mean, good. The the book was published in ninety two, so uh, it, fair enough. Another, yeah. another fourteen years. What was interesting with there is no internet and no fan, but it didn't feel dated regardless. Mm. Um, there we are. Okay. Well, there we go. Sort of uh, one and a half masterpieces, perhaps <laughs> close to it, but very good nevertheless. So, at the box office, the the big winner at the Academy Awards is The Departed. Which, the Departed? Now, I know the name, but I know nothing about well, it. Well, I enjoyed it when it was called Infernal Affairs with Andy Lau and Tony Leung. So, oh, it's, I, that, it's the remake of that one. Okay. I, don't, I don't really want to see it through the Scorsese-tron. Oh, okay, yes. Now I know the film it is. All right. Okay, never seen it, but I have heard about it. Uh, uh, that, that gets Best Picture, Best Director, and Adapted Screenplay. Goodness me. We have had mixed experiences with Scorsese, haven't we? Maybe I'll watch Infernal Affairs instead. Eh. Uh, let's see. Uh, best Actor went to Forrest Whitaker for The Last King of Scotland. Ooh, now I've got that book in my pile to read, but I haven't watched it yet. I, I have heard uh, really quite positive things about the film, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, best actress went to Helen Mirren in The Queen, which Ooh, doesn't okay, well. really interest me particularly. It, it, it's specifically uh, the the royal family's reaction to the death of uh, Diana, Princess of Wales. Well, I have been for my sins an avid watcher of The Crown. Um, uh, I enjoyed it very much, but it is not it's not reality. It's just very well dramatised fiction. Mm. Um, 
So, supporting actor and original screenplay uh, go to Little Miss Sunshine. The supporting actor is Alan Arkin in this case. Oh, I like that film. I, I don't think I'm allowed to now, because apparently it's been decided that indie films like that are, are to be looked down upon. But I enjoyed it, so there. I, I had a quick uh, squiz at the synopsis, and it didn't seem fascinating, but there may well be more to it if you actually view it as a film, which would be fair enough. It's, it's formulaic. It's like a formulaic indie film, if I can see <laughs> such a thing. Um, but... Uh, very well done, and it's got Greg Kinnear in, um, who I always like watching. I think and, it's got Greg uh, of the of the big eight um, supporting actress went Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls, which is the, the, the Motown fantasy fantasy version of Motown and, and yeah, Diana Ross and the Supremes and so on. So, Children of Men didn't get anything. Was it nominated for anything? Um, uh, I'm a little surprised at that. Um, it just feel like the sort of thing that is so miserable it would get nominated for something um, but it didn't win anything maybe it was too late maybe it came out the year uh, maybe uh, 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 it yeah, was maybe. nominated for adapted screenplay but none of the performances oh okay well I suppose that's fair uh, also nominated for cinematography which I think would be fair but it was up against Pan's Labyrinth so okay yep Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, bad luck. Okay, well there so we go. So, Pants Labyrinth got three this year. Um, Inconvenient Truth, Dream Girls, and Little Miss Sunshine got uh, two each. Okay, all right. And and none of these appears in Thompson. Uh, one of them does. He, he he did mention the Queen. Oh, does he? Oh, I will have a look and see what he thinks. About uh, but he also has uh, the Lives of Others. Which is the East German. Oh, that's very good. I, the Stasi one, that's very good. Yeah. I'd recommend that. Uh, Longford, about the whole Lord Longford, Myra Hindley thing. Oh, really? I'd be interested in that, but, um. And, uh, 20,000 Streets Under the Sky, which as far as I can see is, um, depression era, low life in, in England. Not, not the criminal sort of low life, just the life is rotten so, sort of low life. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure, yeah, okay. But you'll be cheered up by the box office. <laughs> Will I? I, d- I don't think there is anything here that is not either a sequel or designed to be the first of a series. Oh, uh, good. Well, you know I like those films. So, so at number 10, Happy Feet. Animated okay. Penguins. All right. Directed yeah. by George Miller. What? Of Mad Max? He has done things that aren't Mad Max. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, he's a really good director, or maybe I should. Weirdly, it's an animated uh, animal film that I have not seen, so maybe I will cast no <laughs> comment upon it. I bet the sequel wasn't directed by George Miller, though. Yeah, uh, it, it did. That actually get quite positive press. So okay, well, uh, if George Miller's attached, I do. He is genuinely a really good director. I, I should say it's not even the number one animated film. <laughs> okay. Uh, at number okay. nine, uh, Superman Returns. Oh, that was terrible. That was really terrible. But in in the only in the uh, system that matters, it's made lots of money. <laughs> uh, poor, it was Brandon Ruth, wasn't it? He didn't last long as Superman. Uh, yeah, I think so. so uh, it, DC it's it's the final. It's the final one in the in the Brian series, Brian Singer series. It was supposed to be sort of a sequel to the old Christopher Reeve ones, like it's sort of, but it was just wasn't. Mm. Uh, number eight, Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> oh, hum. 
I've only seen the first one. Um, yeah. I said, well, they keep making them, so they must be good. <laughs> uh, number seven, X-Men The Last Stand. So Sitko's the, the third of that series. Genuinely terrible film as well, bloody hell. <laughs> Vinnie Jones is, um, is it Ram Man or Juggernaut? I can't remember. Jeez. Ram Man's from He-Man. I don't care. <laughs> Kill me now. Uh, number six, Cars. Ah, oh, Cars is good. It's a Pixar film, uh, and consequently it is good, actually. It's one of the lesser Pixars, though, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, number five, Night at the Museum. Okay. <laughs> uh, starring uh, Ben Stiller, Carlo yeah. Gugino, who's usually worth watching, but I think also Robin Williams. I think Ricky in as well, but he may, he, maybe that's the sequel. I feel he is in, though. I think he's the curator of the museum. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, number four, Casino Royale. Yes, they will not let James Bond stay dead. Actually... That is uh, one of the few James Bond films that I think is quite good. That Fair enough. I, I have not seen it. I, I rather... It's it's quite good. They just got terrible after that. Hey. Uh, number three, Ice Age: The Meltdown, which I think is the second Ice Age film. Yeah. Okay. That got more than Casino Royale. That would be. Oh my god, you'd be so pissed off if you were <laughs> one of the broccolis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number two, The Da Vinci Code. Oh, for far... Okay. With Tom Hanks. Yeah. Doing yeah. his best. I'm going to say nothing nice about Dan Brown in public or private ever. <laughs> that seems fair. <laughs> and at number one, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Dead Man's Chest, which is the, I think, the second of that series. Oh, God almighty. And... Uh, maybe the most depressing top ten we've ever heard. I think so. I mean... I, I was aware that it was coming out. I enjoyed the first film, but I just felt no inclination to go and see the second one. Yeah, I think I have seen it, and I'm none the better person for it. Well, that none was the, the thing. Then, then people started telling me about it, and I, I was confirmed in my opinion that it wasn't what I going to see. <laughs> oh, dear me. Well, Children of Men is a ten times better than any one of those films. Um, Cars is all right, I suppose. Casino <laughs> Rail is all right. It, it has some world-building issues, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a fair point. Well, well now, I thought a dystopian Britain film about no one being born for 18 years and humanity dying was depressing, and then you read the 2006 top 10 in film. <laughs> Alright, well, we'll have to think of it. We haven't actually decided on our next film yet, um, but listen oh, Don't, don't show them what, what's behind the curtain, man. Oh, right, okay, sorry, yes. <laughs> Uh, we shall have a think and we shall return uh, anon Shakti, with a different MacGuffin. Shakti, Shakti. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>